Ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And uh, it's going to get weird in the studio now here, too, since it's weird outside. Foggy and weird. Kind of like my brain. What is it not weird? That's every day, yeah. (laughs) So welcome, uh, Beer Geeks Radio out here on WILK. Another phenomenal Sunday afternoon. Taking a look at another great brewery. This week we're taking a look at Noda Brewing Company from Charlotte, North Carolina. Another great... It feels weird saying up and coming because it just seems like a overused term, but they are a, a very well-known, established brewery that's really doing some great beers. And we're we'll be talking to head brewer Chad Henderson a little bit later on in the show, getting in deep with some of these beers, and especially their Hop, Drop, and Roll, which is one of the best IPAs that are going right now. So, uh, an always popular category. But before we get into anything, let's get into some beer news. Now, first, I want to mention, uh, I'm hoping this is not a trend because we mentioned this last week, too, on the show, but uh, another brewery is going to be closing their doors. Uh, Wolliver's is going to be shutting down, uh, according to Otter Creek, the company that owns them, Otter Creek Brewing Company, is closing them down. Namely, what they're saying is due to the high cost of all of the uh, organic ingredients. Because if you're familiar with Wolvers, they use all organic beers. Uh, they've been going for about 20 years, but they're just saying the rising cost is just getting to the point where they're not going to be competitive. And with the beers they do, I mean, they're a six-pack uh, beer. They're not a wax-sealed type or anything. So they're going to get themselves to a point where they're priced out of the industry, and they really want to avoid that one. So they're going to be closing the doors, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's more like a um, being absorbed kind of deal rather than closing, it seems like. So, yeah. I mean, it'll live in some form or fashion, I would imagine, in like special ones. Yeah, ba- basically like what Otter Creek said was that it's the organic ingredients, but they're going to kind of absorb the the uh, ethos of being a non-GMO, and that's what they're going to be using in the brewery. So we'll see where that one goes. I mean, Otter Creek's been really kind of revitalizing themselves, and the brand's kind of getting back out there a lot more now. Uh, you know, before we get any deeper, I forgot to introduce everybody again, because we actually have everybody <laughs> back. Oh, yeah, full house today. Yeah, it's the full house today. Uh, Billy is back from Backyard Ale House. He's back from being off the grid in the woods, living with Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't complain about that. No, you know? Ted's a good guy. I mean, You're... solitude. Well written. Uh, well written. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, and, and George is back from being George, although he did go on his trip yesterday. So today he decided to join us because we have Noda. Oh, definitely. George so. kind of looks like Ted Kaczynski, actually. I didn't, you know, I, I, didn't expect hood up. I, didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect to be so Ted Kaczynski heavy this week. But uh, that's, <laughs> but uh, anyway, there we go. Now Billy's got down. We're ready to go. <laughs> so uh, another thing in the news I wanted to cover, and this is something a little, it, it's interesting, and it kind of gets behind the veil, I guess, if you will, with how this industry works sometimes. Uh, I, I want to read this verbatim, but this is from the Wall Street Journal. But basically, AB InBev has a new incentive program for their distributors, and it's kind of ticking off a lot of craft brewers. And let me read this, and you'll kind of understand why, because it's going to put them in a position that they cannot compete with this. Um, and I'm reading this straight from Wall Street Journal. The world's largest brewer last month introduced a new incentive program that could offer some independent distributors in the U.S. annual reimbursements for as much as $1.5 million if 98% of the beers they sell are AB InBev brands, according to two distributors who requested confidentially because they were asked not to discuss the plan. Wow, look at that. Surprise, surprise. They said, hey, here's what we're going to do, but don't tell anybody. Uh, and then distributors whole, whose sales volumes are 95% made up of 
AB and Bev brands would be eligible to have the brewer cover as much as half their contractual marketing support for those brands, which includes retail promotion and display costs. AB InBev, which introduced the plan in a meeting of distributors in St. Louis, uh, estimates participating distributors would receive an average of annual benefits of $200,000 each. So if I'm going to sum that up, basically it's an incentive program. A distributor gets involved. The least they're going to be able to get is $200,000. The most they can get around $1.5 million. No craft brewery has that kind of pockets for marketing right now. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like if I was the word incentive, I'd be really angry right now mm-hmm. um, because it's not even an incentive. It's, no. it's, 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 it's bribery is basically what it is. It's basically saying, hey, just sell our product and screw everybody else and we'll give you a bunch of money. It, it's uh, old school payola described with new terms. Yeah, it's just it's kind of funny because it exists. It's so brash. It's oh yeah, not even like it's not even like hey, like they, they again they tried to hide it a little bit. Yeah, I guess, they, but they said, don't, don't don't tell us anybody. But it's in the Wall Street Journal this week and it showed up in a couple other places. So I think as that gets out there more, you know what it, we're saying that maybe the government will have something to say about that. Who knows what winds up happening there? It, uh, the way it reads is they found some loophole to exploit. Now the whole time over the past couple of years, you have all these brewer, or well, uh, AB InBev gobbling up all these small breweries. Now you kind of see maybe there's this master plan to it. They're yeah. like, okay, we'll get this big portfolio, then push this. That way they have enough craft to where people are like, okay, yeah, I can still get, you know, but yeah. this I still can can still get that and get my two hundred thousand to one point five million dollars. Yeah. Eat my have my cake and eat it too kind of deal. Yeah, and and if you're not familiar with how this works, I mean, basically what that is going to do is push distributors to not promote other brands that aren't under that umbrella as much. If you didn't get that in between, you know, reading between the lines, it's going to make them push these AB InBev brands a lot more because they're going to get a kickback for doing that. Whereas if they're selling a smaller craft brewery, not getting anything except for maybe a thank you. You'll probably just see a division. It'll be the people who are already lean but heavy might just go all in. Yeah. And you have breweries that kind of like, you know, sprinkle through everything around and go, okay, we're just not going to play a part of that and go the other direction. Yeah. So you the, just see if, the, if this actually goes through, it's going to be interesting to see how craft brewers react and what things come out of it. Because in this, if you look at it close enough and this works out, what that's going to mean is there's going to be another uh, area for someone to kind of exploit on the other end of it to kind of help crappers go with distribution and stuff. Now, that varies state by state, so it's not going to be an all-in-one thing, but we'll see. It's just an interesting thing. One of the things I wanted Matt to talk about, Matt was talking about there's a new labeling thing going on that you caught wind of. Well, yeah, everybody that goes out there and buys food, you know, you look at labels, you look at nutritional value and all that kind of stuff. And the FDA, actually, FDA is pushing it really hard, is that they're going to... Um, try to by next December make breweries um, put pretty much nutritional uh, information on all their beers and we're talking like from draft the whole nine you, you, you know it, it would be a good thing if we all knew what was in beer and what yeah. was whatever but it's just not feasible with beer because it's almost at minimum $600 per beer cost not just that, it takes up to like two months to get the nutritional values back. On top beer of the time gets, you got to wait for the labeling to come back, too. Yeah, and, 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 and beers get pumped out. I mean, beers at big breweries only last a couple of days, let yeah. alone, you know what I mean, a, a month or two. So to have that turnover, the cost, stuff like that, it could really screw the small guy. It's another thing, big guy versus small yeah. guy. So I'm not sure what it's going to do or if it'll go through. I can't see it going through. If it does, then, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. 
No, it's just another one of those things that I, I think most consumers don't, and rightfully so. There's no reason to have this in the back of your head. But yeah. these are the things that go beyond, that happen behind closed doors. And when people see the craft, be like, oh, it costs so much more. But there's a lot more besides you know better quality ingredients and different ingredients. There's a lot more costs that are associated with this. It's not just someone saying like, oh, here's some beer. Uh, here you go. I just put some water in it. It's, you know, it, it's not a free thing to make, basically. No. And there's all these business costs going in and you have a larger corporation uh, overseeing them and trying to keep them from getting too big, I guess, and doing whatever they can. And there's been a lot of things that have happened over the years. But uh, it's getting a couple new beers that are coming out. I want to mention Oscar Blues has their Hot Box Coffee Porter is going to be available nationwide, which I cannot wait to try that one. They have the name thing down. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Founders announced uh, next year, uh, in January, they're going to have their Azaka IPA. And we had Azaka hops. And we had Canine. And those are yeah. phenomenal, yeah, phenomenal that hops. Very tasty. Hop. Yeah. So that'd be a really good one to try. And Victory has their anniversary, their 20th anniversary Imperial Pills that's going to be joining the lineup next year. So it's going to be a 20 year anniversary celebration for them, which is crazy 20 years going at that one. It's weird, man. You don't even think about it, because it's just, but they, they've been... Congrats to them. They've been yeah. going. Time flies when you yeah. drink good beer, man. So, speaking of drinking good beer, we have our first one from Noda in our glass. Now, I believe it's Kavu, because I'm uh, I'm an idiot, and I do not always know how to pronounce things correctly, but it's C-A-V-U. It is a Blondale from them, which is just a style that I love, because it is so light. Is it 4.6, I believe, is the ABV on this one? Yep. Yeah. It's just such a super light, easy-drinking beer. Just subtle flavors going very crisp, kind of crackery. This is this is a perfect summer beer. I know we're getting into winter now, but this is a perfect summer beer and summer style to have. And there's just so much within that. And it's a great way to show how breweries, because if you had any off flavors in this beer, they're going to shine right through and it's going to be awful. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an all-time beer. Whether yeah. it's summer, spring, winter, yeah. fall. Or in Pennsylvania construction season, it's 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 an all around good time beer or deer season. Or deer, yeah, 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 that's all you delicious, got. delicious, delicious yeah. deers. No, it's a, it's a super easy drink of wine, a great way to start this off because it just showcases the talents that are going on at the brewery. Because to have a beer brewed with such balance and be this light is not an easy process, and that's why you don't see a lot of home brewers getting into very light styles, especially early on, because. The flavors that you can get in there are awful if you're not really skilled yet in what you're doing, and it can really completely ruin that beer. So to have that is just a showcase of, like, they know what they're doing, and now we can proceed. <laughs> I guess that's the best way of putting it. We'd proceed anyway, but uh, I'm not going to blow smoke up someone's butthole. But this is a great, <laughs> great beer, though, I will tell you that, and definitely a, a must-try. And, you know, Noda's like a really great brewery, and we'll get more into it. But first, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back from that break, we will be talking to Chad Henderson, the head brewer of Noda, and he will have a lot more to say about this beer than I ever could. So we'll be talking to him soon, but we'll be right back here in WLK with the Beer Geeks. Wish you a Merry Christmas. Rainbow Jewelers, Wyoming Avenue in Kingston, wants to be your diamond engagement ring headquarters. Here's their proposal to you. Come to Rainbow Jewelers first, and they're sure you will say yes to the professional, courteous staff. Diamond quality, clarity, and price are not all that matter when it comes to purchasing that once-in-a-lifetime diamond. Let Rainbow Jewelers be a part of that special moment. Rainbow Jewelers, wishing you a Merry Christmas. Wyoming Avenue, Kingston. Now open Monday through Saturday. Remember when 
Christmas was magical, experience that magic inside Corky's Garden Path Greenhouse. Don't get stressed out by all the crowds and hassles of mall shopping. We invite you to come in and browse through our gift shop full of great gift ideas for everyone on your list. We have beautifully personalized ornaments for the special teacher, coach, hairstylist, or hard-to-buy-for person on your list. How about a beautiful wind and fire bangle or a unique scarf or wrap from our women's boutique? We haven't forgotten a minute on your list. We offer a full line of Jack Black skincare products as well as great gifts for gardeners. In addition, we have Melissa and Doug educational toys, Christopher Ratko ornaments, perfect hostess gifts from Stonewall Kitchen, and so much more. Still have decorating to do? We have everything for indoors and out. Pre-lit trees, wreaths, garlands, snowmen, Santas, and poinsettias. The Corky staff would be happy to help you select and then beautifully wrap your gift. We truly appreciate your business. It's what keeps small businesses like Corky's going. Corky's Garden Path Greenhouse, Justice Boulevard, Scott Township, where great gardens begin. Open seven days a week or visit Corky'sGardenPath.com. It's Matt Wolf here. Hey, I think you're all beautiful. I love you guys, and I'll bet a lot of you out there have acne. I feel your pain. It's embarrassing, and you're thinking, how on earth can I get rid of it, right? One word, proactive. I'm telling you, prescription-grade proactive heals your acne and even prevents future breakouts. How great is that? There's a reason why so many celebrities use proactive. Their faces are their money, and it's time to get it because proactive has set up a special dedicated 800 number. So get ready to punch that number into your phone. Pull over right now if you have to. Here's the deal. $19.95 gets you proactive, plus a rotating deep cleansing brush. It's valued at $45, yours free. So is the shipping. For only $19.95, you, my friends, are guaranteed to get clear and stay clear, or you'll get your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call for a lifetime of beautiful skin and tell them Matt Wolf sent you. Call 1-800-644-5944. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas and happy holidays from Rainbow Jewelers, your holiday gift-giving headquarters. Rainbow Jewelers specializes in delivering holiday happiness. Citizens brand watches, rhythm of life. Of necklaces, rings, bracelets, diamond earrings. Rainbow Jewelers is that truly special store for all those special moments. Let their family help you choose that perfect gift this holiday for that special someone. Gifts for him or her. Gifts for dad and mom. And gifts for children. Rainbow Jewelers, making everyone happy this holiday season. Now open Monday through Saturday. song, I guess. Oh, it's like Charlie Brown. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're back here in WLK at the Beer Geeks, having some more phenomenal beers from Noda Brewing Company. And uh, joining us on the phone right now from Noda Brewing Company, head brewer, Mr. Chad Henderson. Chad, how you doing today, bud? Good. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great having some of your beers, so we're doing great. Excellent. Really good. I'm, I'm pretty offended at how horribly you mispronounced the, the Blondo, by the way. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. There's no there's no pronunciation for it. It's an abbreviation. Everyone asks that. They're like, how do you say it? And it's like, it's, like, it's not said anyway. It stands for Ceiling Invisibility Unlimited. It's an old pilot term, so you ca- call it Cavu or Cavu or Cavu, whatever you want to call it. It's fine. <laughs> Well, then fine. And I'm not going to take any of this insults from you. I called it beer. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, you said it fine. It's good beer. That's all that matters. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate so, it. Let's get into a little bit of this with you. So when did you first get into brewing yourself? 
Uh, I started out as homebrewer, um, basically discovered craft beer in college, like a lot of kids do to discover beer in general in college. <laughs> but uh, I never really uh, cared for, you know, the macro stuff and things like that and had a lot of friends that were uh, from out of state. We would come in and, and would bring stuff like Dogfish Head and Flying Dog and Founders and stuff like that. And I'm like, why does this beer taste like chocolate? you know cake and stuff like that and they're like oh it's craft beer and i was like what does that mean and they're like well i don't know it's just really expensive and hard to get and i'm like that's not a valid answer that doesn't mean it. so i basically did some research and found out kind of how beer was made and at the time i'm i it was i got my degree in exercise physiology so i've been kind of in the science world and stuff so it just seemed really intriguing how the actual process was but then uh, i just saw this huge culture behind it and uh i had some friends that were starting home brewing so i started um hanging out with them and getting some ideas and then just started brewing my own stuff uh, probably around when I was uh, 22 oh. and uh, and just started started hard on it. I just basically was brewing, you know, once to three times a week uh, on anything from a five to 15 gallon uh, batch as my system kind of grew and then uh, and just really stayed advocating in the, um, the the progression of the craft beer movement in Charlotte because when I moved down here, uh, it, there really wasn't anything going on because the, the alcohol limit in North Carolina had just lifted from five to five percent to fifteen percent and so you had all these new brands coming in in charlotte's the biggest city in in, uh, in north carolina but it has the the nascar uh influence really heavy so there's a, there's a lot of like uh, lineage of the of the bud and miller you know drinkers and stuff so it took a while for the craft thing to catch on so me and a handful of other guys really spent a lot of our time just um promoting and educating the idea of craft beer and homebrewing and all that sort of stuff and so you get to kind of meet everybody I ended up uh, meeting uh, some other homebrewers uh, that were the husband and wife team that ended up founding uh, NODA and they asked me uh, when they were in their development stage if they, uh, if I wanted to brew for them and of course I screamed yes <laughs> and uh, left the med- medical field where I you know, worked in medication uh, to making self-medication so it's pretty it's, you know, natural <laughs> progression. It was a, a very good move. So, yeah, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't change any part of it for sure. Now was that like your your first job and like you went right from that into to working for Noda? Yeah, yeah. The uh, I basically spent all my free time volunteering for beer, but I never had a paid job for beer uh, until working uh, with Noda as, as the the original uh, brewer here. And um, uh, my I was working in the medical industry uh, prior to doing uh, custom durable medical equipment and uh, and outpatient rehabilitation and stuff like that. Wow. So now, when you started, were they just opening up then, or did they have any recipes there, or was this kind of? Well, we 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 basically started together, like the, kind of the like myself and Todd and Susie, who are the the uh, the, the co-founders, and and, uh, and uh, I'm a co-owner now, but we're the, the three co-owners, so to speak. And uh, and so I built the place out, and we did, we knocked out recipe design and everything like that from day one. So I was basically on it, in with them uh, from the very beginning. Did you have any, I mean, I don't know, what were you, when you were homebrewing, was there like certain styles you gravitated towards? Were you more doing American stuff? Were you into Belgian beers? Like, or was it just kind of whatever you had in mind at that time? I was just kind of intrigued as to like, just trying whatever weird thing I wasn't seeing anyone else do. And then just kind of just feel it out there. When I would homebrew, I would have, I lived, uh, my roommate was my, is one of my best friends down here and we had a garage and we would homebrew all the time together and when we homebrewed, we would always have a party at the same time and we would have our other homebrews on and stuff like that and it would just be like this big, you know, craft beer tasting bananas but you could you know you'd be like hey i tried this weird, weird sweet potato you know chocolate belgian strong yeah what do you think about it and if they run in to go vomit and stuff like that they'd say, probably not do that one again <laughs> you just wanted i wanted to do weird stuff and I, I started just like you were talking earlier about how um you know a lot of the homebrewers don't start doing the lighter styles and stuff like that. I, I the first beer i made was a um 
was a uh, imperial Irish red ale with uh, with uh, with cloves in it, and uh, and it was awesome. I, lo- I I loved it, but it wasn't a normal. You would never categorize that as, as anything. And I think the first time I made a beer, I was probably. 10 or 12 beers in before I made a beer underneath 5% alcohol. So I I tried big beers. I really was into the whole imperial thing. I I really love double IPAs and making imperial stouts. And it's fun when you're a homebrewer to do that because you can hide imperfection really easily behind just smorgasbords of hops and smorgasbords of of, um, uh, malts and stuff like that. But when I finally started kind of tuning in on it a little bit more, I, I got, I was a lot more into Belgians and like Belgian wits and stuff like that. And I, I really love doing this like straight lace American IPAs and or really hot forward American pale ales. So those are the ones that like I kept trying to redo and, and dial in. And then when we kind of got the idea of what Noda was going to be, uh, those were the kind of basis of what we were running off of. Is just like make, like let's make a really solid but interesting darker beer. Let's make a really solid but interesting lighter beer and a, little, a really solid but interesting you know hoppy beer. So we wanted to make things that people understood and could relate to, but also that kind of challenged their full understanding and perception of it yeah. because we were, we were the second oldest brewery in the uh, in the city and uh, the only one that was around before us is, is exclusively German style beers so we wanted to give the Americana flair and the diversity of everything but we didn't want to follow the suit of the other breweries in the state that would do like your typical red pale brown ale you know and a, and a you know, like a half bison or something I was like we're, if we're going to do a we're going to porter let's do a porter that's got coconut and coconuts in it if we're going to do a hoppy beer let's do a double rye IPA let's, let's, let's take what they expect us to do and move it just a little bit on the uncomfortable side and then once everyone kind of understood who we were we started dialing and stuff with putting out like stuff like Kavu uh, where it's you can drink it any time oh, you didn't pronounce that right yet Oh, I know. I, know. I, know. I, I have, have my notes. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, and the stuff like or like a ramble on red was our very first beer we brewed, and it was a it's just an ESB, but it was an ESB not using typical ESB ingredients, so uh, it's still balanced, it's still approachable, but it's uh, it's got a little interesting story to it at the same time. So, so that's been kind of our mantra since uh, since day one. Was there some reining in of you when you first got there with them, or was it kind of they they knew what they were getting with you with? With some we, of the ideas we, always, we, we always worked really well as, as a team. We all kind of wanted to, uh, you know, there, there was some check-ins. Cause I, you know, when you, when you get that opportunity, especially if you've never worked in a brewery before, mm. as a brewery, you know, you're just like, okay, we got a whole series of <laughs> barrel-aged imperial stouts we need to do. You, like, you get that excitement of, like, you want to just go, you know, balls to the wall and do the Dark Lord-style releases, like, from the very beginning. You, know, you want to make some big wow factor thing, and, and, and you do have to remember, it's like, you don't, know what you're doing yet <laughs> so you, you need to really you need to make sure you can make it good and consistent and make your customer base happy on a regular basis before you start giving them a once in a lifetime beer all the time you know, so um we did have to dial back a little bit but you know when when you you know want to be in an industry so bad like i wanted i knew i wanted to be a brewer basically right before i got my degree in uh in college so like for my entire uh, you know, young adult to adult life. I was like, this is my dream, and I'm just going to work in every avenue I can to get in. So when you finally get handed it, you know, you just kind of, you almost don't know what to do with yourself. So you want to do everything right, but also at the same time, you do get that little drive to where you just really want to throw the ace card out, like, mm-hmm. right away and, like, start, you know, tossing out really rare release beers and stuff. But, you know, we, we did dial back a little bit, and, you know, Todd was, Todd's, a, a, you know, a little bit older and wiser than me, and he's like, you know, you can't just, Try to do 15% beers over and over again. Is we got we got to hit this 5% one right. Yeah. So um, it was a lot. Almost all of our recipes, though, they're they're 
their group discussion, you know, in this, uh, we all want to be on the same page because ultimately the beers are an expression of the team. You know, it's, it's our, it's our vibe and spirit of our company that we're embodying in this product. It's not just one guy's thing that he's trying to do. You know, like someone maybe may make up like the core of the recipe, but the whole team has an input on, you know, the direction of where that, that's going to go, you know, to some degree or another. And it's just, so we get everyone on the same page and, uh, you know, the very first recipe may be, you know, like that's it, that it works, or we may need to dial it down. Like Cabu took a lot of uh, dialing in before we were all very happy with it because of how light and, and easy it is and everything. So now when, when everything started like, with North Carolina kind of being uh, relatively new in this uh, arena, w- was there any kind of having to inform? Cause we've heard that from numerous brewers before as they're getting out there, having to kind of inform, their customers as they're coming in and trying stuff that they're not familiar with uh, flavorful beer, I guess we'll say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was a, there was a lot of that, and like I said, we had we had the, the NASCAR culture was was pretty heavy. So you have a lot of people that you know, they don't do it now, but luckily, you know, luckily, but uh, you know, when we first started up, you know, people were just like, "Well, don't you have just regular beer?" And it's like, "What do you mean regular <laughs> beer?" Like, what, like, like what you consider regular beer is is a travesty to beer. It's like this is, this is, we don't put any corn syrup in our beer. Sorry, you know. So. <laughs> Yeah, you bet it takes a little bit of education. One of the biggest things, I think, is that in Charlotte, we were really lucky. Charlotte's one of those, like, culture moves very fast in Charlotte, if that makes sense, comparatively to the rest of the state. So after we opened up, two months after we did, another brewery right next door to us opened up. Then it seemed like every four to eight months, another brewery was coming in. And it didn't take longer than maybe, like, the first year that we were opening that. Not just what we were doing, but what the scene was doing became, like, a cultural scene to be part of. So to kind of be with it, so to speak, you know, you kind of had to at least dabble or get interested in what was going on with all this craft beer thing because we went from zero to now 16 breweries in in the state, you know, within four years. You know, so... It's uh, it's it's a, it, it dramatically shifted from just it being like nothing on anyone's radar to all of a sudden like wow, there's these things are everywhere all over the town yeah. and stuff like that. So, you know, the culture helped uh, push the education of it a lot. But we ourselves did tons of dinners and and a lot of the stuff that I was doing already, where it was like education uh, uh, pairings and and, uh, and and beer tastings and beer dinners and you know festival events and stuff like that. So, you know, I was already kind of used to doing that. So being the kind of the spokesperson person of the brand as opposed to being a spokesperson of the scene there wasn't a big difference in that it was just mostly talking about what we were doing and how it relates to the rest of the stuff going on now, what do you see as being what was the catalyst I mean, was it just that law changing in north carolina that i mean north carolina you know i wouldn't from the time i've spent there before all this happened i, I never thought of that as being because it doesn't have like a a hipster uh, vibe to it, like, you know, some areas develop it around the, the culture that's there. I know North Carolina has changed dramatically in the past couple of years, but it seems like it's kind of gone hand in hand with what's going on in craft beer. Like, what was the catalyst that really started pushing that state to grow as quick as you guys have with this? The law change uh, for, uh, for the 5% to 15% is, is called pop the cap. Um, and when that changed, that was definitely, that was that was laying the groundwork for it. But I mean, that, that was the single biggest event that happened. Charlotte still took a while to change for it. But I think the biggest thing that it was is it, it now had the option to change with the, with the alcohol limit, you know, raising. But in the time that I moved down here, I've been here for this, I've been here for nine years. And when I came down here, 
it was right around that internet boom, and I don't want. I know that phrase gets used a lot for different time frames for the internet, but this is when like like blogging and YouTube videos and people just actually sitting there like in California and and doing a video review of something that Russian River put out was a very common thing that you could find and see, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the, the 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 beer advocate review boards and and you know Untapped and all that sort of stuff was coming into play, and everyone's smartphones all of a sudden got way smarter, you know, so people could find out what everyone else was drinking and there's so many implant like people that that moved down to charlotte that come from other areas that are used to seeing a riveting beer culture and i think they eventually just got sick and tired of seeing everyone else drinking awesome stuff and we were very close to Asheville, north carolina which has a great craft beer scene and i think we just got fed up and like why aren't we doing this you know we have the best infrastructure for the city like in the in the state we have a huge population we have the highest concentration of bars there's no reason why we shouldn't uh, shouldn't do this and when we opened up up uh, in 2011, it was right at that cusping point where, I, where we had heard, you know, the the annoyance of us not having anything uh, for a long time. And you know, with us and Old Mecklenburg, which had been open just a, a little while before us, we basically showed the area that this sort of thing can actually exist, and you, there are options for it. So I think it was a mix of the the, the alcohol limit raising, and then also just the the whole social media like boom, where people could just completely interact and start trading beers and stuff like that, and people kind of took it upon themselves to just just say it's, it's enough that we're it's, it's, it's over the time that we just don't have any options here and we have to get everything from some other place and also Charlotte is is a unique city because it's a very clustered it's like a bunch of little towns and yeah. there's a lot of very hipster-esque movement towns in, in inside of Charlotte so like, like the Noda area that we're in right now is, is, is kind of known for that and it's right next to another neighborhood called Plaza Midwood they're very artsy um, very uh, craft oriented across the board so you see lots of wine bars and um, art galleries and stuff like like, like Noda itself has no franchisable business whatsoever everything there's an independent business so it had the groundwork already laid for it. It just needed the things like the pop the cap and, and the, just the exposure and the knowledge that there is way better stuff out there to drink and why can't we have it here? So as that progressed and you guys started opening up, like what was kind of the core lineup for you guys as it remained the same to this day as you started putting beers out? It's definitely grown. I mean, when we first started up, we, we uh, our original brewery is a 15-barrel. Th- uh, at first, it was a 15-barrel two-vessel system, so we had a combination mash lauder ton and a Whirlpool knockout, I mean, Whirlpool um, bull kettle. And we had a 15-barrel fermenter and two 30-barrel fermenters. And so, you know, we kind of, we were like, let's put out three varieties. So our first three varieties were uh, Coco Loco, which is our coconut, coconut porter, which still remains as a year-round lineup, uh, and is also in cans. Um, Ramble on Red, uh, which is still a year-round beer, which are ESB, and uh, which always gets mispronounced as Ramblin' Red. It's like it's Led Zeppelin. It's not the Allman Brothers. <laughs> and, uh, and then it was uh, Notarized, which is our, our double rye IPA, and uh, that is a seasonal now. And then basically as time moved on, we were able to get the citra hops that we needed to make our hop drop and roll, which was always intended to be a year-round beer, but we just couldn't get the hops we needed for it at first. And uh, then that jumped into the line and uh i think then the next one that joined was jam session which is our american pale ale um and then the cavu came along and then our, our woody wilcox uh ipa joined up with that afterwards which is a kind of a, a joint partnership with a, a local radio show down here in charlotte um and they wanted to be an ipa which was kind of cool we we're like well what, what do you guys want to do with marketing and stuff They're like we just want to be a beer <laughs> i'm like that's, that's cool we can do that so so we have six year-round beers the only one that has come out of the year-round lineup is the uh is the notarized but the the, the coca loco and the ram 
Campbell are the two originals, and then the others joined up after that. So you guys have, have started to grow, and I know you just opened up a new facility. What, what's the size of the new facility, and what's that been like transitioning into that from where you are? It's been it's been crazy. It's uh, it's it's rem- um, reminded me of our early days when we first opened up here, and you know, I was sleeping at the brewery and trying to figure stuff out, and nothing seemed to be working efficiently as far as time c- consumption was considered. But um, you know, we uh, the, right now our old facility, like I said, was a 15 barrel. We made it a, a, a three vessel 15 barrel system. It's from Premier Stainless, and we've added on a fair number of fermenters. We have nine 60 barrel fermenters over here, and we also have two additional 30. So we have 14 fermenters altogether at the old location. The new place is a 60-barrel, four-vessel NSI or Newlands uh, system, and it has four 240-barrel fermenters and two 240-barrel bright tanks, and we have plenty of room to put more tanks in there, and also potentially outside tanks. And it's, uh, it's a pretty heavy learning curve. I feel really comfortable on the system now. We've only been brewing on it for about two months. Um, but everything's, you know, uh, pushing out like we, you know, like we want it to. And uh, it's uh, you know it's uh, the, the numbers are coming out well, and uh, it, it's just it's a whole different system. You know, we go from a, a system where you know it's a short little stairwell that you hop up and down and turn every valve manual and all that sort of stuff, and you only have like a couple pumps and some temp readouts, which are usually wrong, <laughs> to going to a completely computer interface programmable system where every valve is is a pneumatic valve that's run off of a you know a, a system control from from the airlock. And, uh, and you're just looking at so much more information to get, you know, like actually looking at differential mass pressures and stuff like that on uh, on your lotter and everything like that, and uh, having internal calandria for a boiler and stuff like that. So it's a learning curve because you have more stuff to dial in with, but you've never had those things to, yeah. to use beforehand. So you can't just do a simple, easy scale up, you know, so... So no, uh, it's it's been unique, but uh, it's been a lot of work. So um, this a lot is of definitely really long days, and uh, but it's it's getting a lot better. Like we can feel like we actually know what we're doing on the system now. We've kind of worked out the little kinks because no matter what nice system you get, it's gonna have its quirks. There's always there's no perfect system. There's always something that you're gonna have to change up or do differently, or it didn't work the way that it was expected to work, or whatever because of some random X factor. And until it gets in your building and the state that you live in, with the climate that you have, and everything. Yeah. Which is which is weird because you know when you you know our system's made up in Vancouver you know and the, the humidity and stuff like that is different on the grain up there than it is down in North Carolina, so you know we had you know different uh, issues with the grain sticking inside of our uh, our our uh, grist case silo and stuff like that. So it's, you know just random things like that you don't foresee happening and you just have to adjust to it. Yeah, you don't really think about that at first either. Then until it's no, uh, thrown in front not. of you, you're like we're just you're like like okay here we go we're opening up the feed and it's like <laughs> why isn't any grain coming out? There's three thousand five hundred pounds of grain in there. Like what's going on? And it's like oh it's all jammed up in the bottom of it because of because <laughs> of moisture. So we have to climb up to the top and start poking it down with a sixteen foot rod to get it to clear out. So that was fun. But uh, you know you just you just learn different stuff. Uh, you know, according to what presents itself, just like we did on the old system. So it feels a lot like the old system is just a little bit closer. We, we have a much higher starting point yeah. than what we did beforehand. Well, let's get into a little bit of beer because we have Hop, Drop, and Roll in our yeah. glass right now, which I have to tell you right now, after that, this is like one of the best IPAs I have had and uh, absolutely loving this. So Thank now- you so much. That means a lot. That's our, that's our, uh, that's our most famous beer. 
uh, uh, right now. It's got our highest accolade. Honestly, like I don't really know how we could get uh, the only higher accolade we could get. Uh, honestly, is to get a um, uh, a brewery of the year award at a, at a ceremony. But it, it won the World Beer Cup in 2014 for American IPA, which is the largest category uh, in the history of, of beer. There's 224 entries in it, and uh, we the biggest thing about it. And it's not just I'm not just proud because of our company, but I'm proud of what it does to the scene and to our our, our state and everything like that. But uh, we became the first North Carolinian, Southeastern, and East Coast brewery to ever win the American IPA at the World Beer Cup. So you know, you're looking at a, a category that has rightfully so been dominated by Colorado and and uh, and California and Washington, Oregon breweries, and and uh, you know to to even I was I was sitting there in the audience praying to get a bronze, and when they said I think bronze. Was to Citrus Mistress, and I was like, that sounds delicious. I never had it before. But, All right, come on, Black IPA. That's the last year we have. And I didn't even hear what the second place one was. And then they shouted our name up, and it came up on the screen. And it took me like five seconds to even realize that's, that was us. You just completely write it off that there's no chance that you're going to get a gold in that. You just hope for like a bronze or something. So it was a huge, uh, huge ordeal. Well, absolutely. That beer is a, a, a very challenging beer to brew, and it's uh, it's our most produced beer by far. Oh, no, I can see what I mean. It, it's definitely one of those uh, categories, like once you get notoriety in it, too, then you have all the, the geeks a-flocking to everything Yeah, it was on. crazy. <laughs> people, like, email me from Australia, and they're like, oh, your, your IPA is, uh, you know, great, man, keep it up. And I'm like, like how did you get it? I was, like, <laughs> I was like, who do you know that lives in Mecklenburg <laughs> County that wants to ship it across the Pacific Ocean to you? So, um, but we, got them, we get them from South uh, Africa and everything like that, too. We actually have some patrons that came in, that come to the bar a lot, and they were in South Africa for a, for a uh, vacation and wow. the one of the guys is wearing a hop drop roll t-shirt and there's native patrons at the bar They're like oh we have that we've had that beer before in a trade that beer is awesome and I'm like that's just crazy how wow. wide the trading can be if you get a little bit of a notoriety from uh, from a nod from a metal like that no that's awesome and and uh unfortunately we're, we're up against a break but real quick Chad, i want to where, where can people find nota beers at uh, it's mostly just Mecklenburg County that you're looking at, and a little bit in, uh, in the northern portion of South Carolina. With the new brewery that we have coming in, we're hoping to, to spread out a little bit further, but the demand is so high in our own backyard, it's basically that's where we're staying. We're doing over 15,000 barrels this year alone, mostly out of our old system, and we're still only able to really saturate our um, our immediate market. Well, it's a great problem to have, and, and Chad, I tell you, all the beers are great. We have Coco Loco we're going to have come up a little bit later, but for right now, uh, I really appreciate it, and you have a phenomenal weekend, brother. Thanks a lot, man. It's good drinking to you guys. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, bro. Cheers. Bye. Now, that is a guy who knows his stuff, and uh, we could have had about a three-hour show going through all this. Yeah. And uh, phenomenal. This is one of the best IPAs. I absolutely love this. This is one of the ones I wish the can never emptied. But uh, we have to empty, so we're going to take a break, and uh, we'll be back what? here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you call a segue in the biz, boys. <laughs> hey, you know, it's just blowing so we're going well. <laughs> to take a break, and we'll be back here on WILK with the Beer Geeks. Intercom's Elite Eateries, Northeast PA's finest dining and family restaurants, featuring the Sanderson Street Tavern, 655 Sanderson Street in Troop, and Grande Pizza and Family Restaurant, Bernie Avenue in Music. 
It's the 2015 end-of-year clearance event going on now. Buy any new or pre-owned from Dixon City Hyundai and make no payment till March 2016. And check this out. For the first 50 cars sold in this event, receive a $500 gift card for your holiday shopping. Courtesy of the number one volume Hyundai dealer in Northeast PA, Dixon City Hyundai. New 2016 Hyundai Elantra SE, leased for only $119 per month. Or the all-new redesigned 2016 Hyundai Tucson, $239 per month. Save up to $7,000. And zero down delivers on all-new 2015 and 2016 Hyundais with 0% financing and a $500 gift. Happy Holidays! Dixon City wants your tray, regardless of balance owed or condition. Pre-owned payments from $99 a month with as little as $29 down. It's the 2015 year-end clearance event going on now, only at Dixon. Dixon. Dixon City Hyundai. 81 to exit 191A, just past the Viewmont Mall on the left. Call 1-800-HYUNDAI. All leases 36 months, 12,000 miles per year, 1999 due at signing. Tax and tax extra, all rebates to dealer. You can check out all the details at Dixon City Hyundai. If you're suffering with hearing loss and you don't want to hear more clearly again, cover your ears. Because I'm about to offer everyone who's listening an absolutely risk-free trial of a life-changing hearing breakthrough called Listen Clear. We'll even give you free shipping and free batteries for life. So if you're still listening, call now. 1-800-955-2423. Listen Clear is precisely designed by top audio engineers to fit your ear almost invisibly. And you can adjust Listen Clear to find the perfect way to hear everything, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Listen Clear is so invisible, people may not even know you're wearing it. And it's so lightweight, you may even forget you're wearing it too. So if you're ready to hear more clearly again, let us give you a 100% risk-free home trial with free shipping and free batteries for life. For free information, call now. 1-800-955-2423. That's 1-800-955-2423. 1-800-955-2423. Imagine your life five years from now. Are you on the path you want to be on? It's time to take control of your future by getting a world-class education from one of the nation's top universities. Arizona State University is now offering over 100 top-tier degree programs 100% online. It's the exact same degree our on-campus students receive, but you can learn from anywhere in the country on your own schedule. For information, call 1-800-400-7153. Learn from ASU's world-renowned faculty and use ASU's global recognition to improve your visibility, professional network, and gain real-world experience you can start using today. The Wall Street Journal ranked ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates. Now discover how ASU Online can stand out on your resume and help separate you from the competition. We are ready to help you learn to thrive in your life, in your career, and beyond. To learn more about ASU online degrees, call 1-800-400-7153. That's 1-800-400-7153. How would you like to feel warm and fuzzy all over? And no, I'm not talking about Uncle Jack's eggnog. It's the Get My Perks season of giving. Register at GetMyPerks.com, and when you win $500 worth of Christmas cash, GetMyPerks.com will donate $500 to your favorite charity. Now that's how you spread holiday cheer. But you need to hurry, because this opportunity ends on December 20th, $500 going towards Christmas presents and $500 going to your favorite charity from GetMyPerks.com. This is the National Contest. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, I feel like I'm doing one of those, uh, I don't know, freestyle, what are those beatbox, no, not beatbox, the 
Never mind. I my brain's no great. Idea. Great radio, the, right the, there, the beat, <laughs> the beatnik poems. That's a, the beatnik uh, poems. Uh, is like, I feel like I was talking over like that stuff. Yeah, that's why I felt like it was in the background and weird. But anyway, uh, we are having some more great beers Harriet. here. And Sweet Harriet. <laughs> oh yeah, Harriet the Pentathlon. <laughs> you stole my heart and my cat. <laughs> oh, I, I have not watched that movie in so long. Ed. Either no, <laughs> we have a paper down. Oh, oh, that, that was the part I loved when he starts. Uh, if you want my body, yeah. and you think I'm Again, right. great radio here. Yeah, I know this yeah. is uh, this is this is classic. Uh, we're having some more great beers from Noda. Uh, another great interview. I mean, the hop, drop, and roll. We didn't we didn't get to get into it as much because unfortunately, that's what happens when you have breaks and all that stuff. We have to be up against. It's it's tough to squeeze everything in the time we have. Um, but I mean, that is a phenomenal IPA, and you probably have seen hyper around it and like we've said on here before many beers get a lot of hype and then you try it and you're let down because few things can live up to that hype um but let me tell you if you can get your hands on it check the date because that's the one thing i hate is when someone's like oh i got it i got it It it's like you know a year old and it's not gonna be what it was but get some if you can it's it really is a phenomenal ipa in a category that is overly saturated to say the least it's it's um it's not like your New England super juicy either. Yeah. either. It's like it's like a beefed up mix of East and West. It's yeah. like a little bit. It knows what it wants to be. It wants to be both at the same time. Yeah, and then it hits both everything in a spade, which is great. And uh, we're following that up with another really sought after beer from them. Their uh, porter, Coco Loco, six point two percent American porter has cocoa nibs and cocoa nut in it, which uh, is always a flavor that I love. I know some people, which I don't understand when people say I don't like coconut. Well. I, that's why I just don't get like it's not offensive. I immediately hate them. Yeah, how do you not like coconut? <laughs> like serious. I could like some flavor. I, I can see like some people have complained about uh, different spicing in beers and stuff. I don't like cinnamon or or I don't know coriander or things like. I get that. But coconut seems to me yeah. like the least offensive of all of these different flavors that are out there. Cause yeah, it's, it's, it's creamy. It's smooth. It's not like overly pungent or any, it's just enjoyable. Yeah, it's like hitting a soft breeze, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's coconut, man. Come on now. Hitting a soft breeze? Like hating, taking a sw- hating. Oh, they said hitting. I'm thinking someone's taking a It's like, it's like hating a tepid pool of water. It's like, <laughs> yeah. why do you hate coconut? And it's nothing to you. It does, it never did anything to you. No. Don't hate it, never. No, it, and it's it's great. To, I mean, this is definitely the time of year when you want to start getting into porters and stouts. If that's, if you're one that changes with the seasons, I don't know, do you, are you guys beer seasonal changers? I think we all are to a certain extent. Not that I won't drink anything at any time, but you tend to go, the the ratios. (laughs) That's my philosophy. Yeah. Oh, I know, buddy. Um, But the ratios can probably skew a little bit where I'm, you know, you know, probably 60, 40 stout in the summer. I don't think it's even intentional sometimes with us. I think it's just, that's the seasonal offerings that start coming down the pipeline. Oh yeah, definitely that too. That's what I, I wonder, like, that's like a whole chicken and the egg thing. Like, do we Naturally, I, mean, I know I find myself like I'll, I'll hang, like sometimes I'll get like bigger stouts in the summer or something. I'll hang on to them for the winter because I just it's just in the back of my mind. Like we you know all the times we had like Cigar City or Funky Buddha on from down Florida and we're talking to them and it's just weird to think of having you know a maple bacon coffee porter on the beach in Miami. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just doesn't click in my head. Even though I mean if I was down there, I wouldn't care because it's good and I'd want to enjoy it. 
And they're probably smarter because they don't have to have it surrounded by snow after shoveling and almost dropping dead of a heart attack on your sidewalk. Yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's the joys of living in northeastern Pennsylvania. Heart attacks and beer, baby. Yeah, it's a, you can you can uh, almost drop dead from shoveling and then go inside and have a nice beer. Yes. You don't get that in Florida. No, in Florida, you just get to relax and drink your beer. <laughs> oh, anyway, speaking of tangents, um, but no, it, it's it's just a really good. It's it's super creamy, which I like, and the the. The flavors are balanced, too. I mean, sometimes when you get some of these beers that have chocolate or coffee, they can be a little too much, but it, it's definitely there. It's not one of those beers that make claims of a flavor to be there, and you take a drink, and it's not there at all, or it's there so faintly, it just kind of peters across the, the palate. Like chocolate yeah, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, like some, some of the, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's soft enough to where you can drink more than one of them yeah. and not have an issue with it. ABV flavor wise, it's there, but it's not over the top to where it's going to punish you. And it's nice too that there's there's stuff we didn't really cover that uh, comes in cans, nice sixteen ounce cans, which is another great thing to have, which a lot of breweries have really gotten into for a wide variety of reasons. But it's just it's really nice, and it's it's been funny to see that transition happen because I remember when a lot of crap breweries it started to really take off and they were coming out in cans. You saw this division amongst, I don't know, purists, if you will, about being in a can versus a bottle and people making, like, staking this claim. It's like, you're only going to be able to stake that claim for so long because there's just more coming. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to, to make that. Yeah, I mean, the only only thing I wouldn't want in cans, personally, would be, like, aged stuff just because of corrosion purposes, I guess you'd yeah, say. Like, like no. long-term aging stuff. It would be weird seeing, like, this is a 1987 Cantillon in a... There's certain things it does seem a little bizarre, but it, it's not. And I think the other reason is when you get into seeing that, there's the complaint from a lot of old timers are the ones that will make uh, statements about the cans and everything. It, they're different cans than they had when they were younger drinking beer. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I self proclaim love bottle and bottle arts and labels and the whole nine. So, you know, I like bottled beer. I like canned beer, but ultimately it's what's inside. And, you know, as long as it's fantastic beer, it could be, you put it in a shoe for all I care. Just give it to me. <laughs> there we go. Next, next million dollar idea. <laughs> yeah. Beer in a shoe, baby. Beer in a shoe. Some Boots. old man it's told me about that. He's trying, to kid, he's trying to evict a bunch of his people and then told me about uh, getting in the shoe business. <laughs> you got to, you got to turn the boot. When yeah. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. is true. I wasn't even thinking about it. Yeah. Technically, it and has the bubble been explodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another movie I have not watched in a long time. Uh, I watch that like every six months. I don't oh, know. Oh, really? Yeah. It's it's good to get. I mean, it's like, and now it's Super Troopers 2 is coming out. They're, they're filming it now, which is. Hopefully, it doesn't suck. Yeah. That's the one thing that's funny when, when they take so much time between some of these movies and it's like, oh, let's do a sequel. And it's like, that's ah, great. But, I mean, Dumb and Dumber. Like, the, 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 it was so romantic pining over the sequel. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, the thought of it so is bad. better. And than, when you get it, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like, how how can you, like, they've been talking about doing Goonies remake or, I'm like, I, uh, they're making a new Gremlins. Are they really? Yeah. And it's not like a reboot. It's a, it's a progression sequel. Oh. Like, it's not like they're not trying to, like, reboot it or change it or anything. There's like, yeah. There's going to be like Gremlins 2. There's Gremlins 3. You're going to have Gremlins 2, another Gremlin with boobs. It was just really, really uncomfortable to see as a child. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> that still brings me nightmares watching that one. That's a total Christmas one. I mean, well, the first one is too, but it's just like, I remember when that first came out. I'm like, what the? And I was, yeah. I don't even know how old I was. I was a kid, but it was just. All right, we'll move on from my nightmares. Uh, <laughs> Back to some good beers, but no, it's been great. And talking to talking to Chad and everything that's going on in North Carolina, 
Um, it is it is just a weird thing if you've ever been down to that area. It's definitely changed over the past couple of years in a lot of the areas he was talking about, even like Charlotte and in Asheville and all these things. Like It's just really become much more, um, I hate to say hipster because it's got so many negative connotations to it, but it's just more cutting edge and more modern with a lot of things going on. And, and they're very into being self-sufficient. There's a lot of mom and pa shops and stuff like that, which is awesome to see. And, like, and it, it definitely coincides when you have those local breweries because it becomes very you know, bi-local, that, that ethos takes over and it kind of, they just go hand in hand and the breweries love to get involved when it's local businesses. Like you don't see many breweries teaming up with like the local subway shop or, you know, stuff like that. It, it's, they love to team up with mom and pa things and come up with different ideas and stuff and work on doing some of these dinners like he was talking about that they do. And that really gets the brewery out there, and especially when you're doing things with these kind of flavors like Coco Loco and, you know, having those different flavors going on and, like, you, know, you know, a phenomenal IPA. Like you can really do some cool things with, with food and you want to team up with someone that you're going to be able to work one on one with because a beer dinner is more than this goes with this here you go eat it like you you want to have some thought into it that there's an experience for people because anyone can have beer and food like yeah it's like an easy thing to do you can go home and throw something together and and there are people that make those arguments of like all beer goes with all food which for the most part is true but it can be better and that's yes. what it's about yeah it's a, it, all beer goes with all food but they can play off each other so it, it can be more than just being together can be something even better. So yeah. if, you, if you actually put some thought into it, you know, you can have some pretty amazing stuff. And that's what it should be. It, 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 when you're doing those things, everything should complement one another. It shouldn't be anything overriding one another. The flavors should both kind of melt into one another that you don't really, you almost can't pick apart the two things. That they just, it makes sense that those two were together and they should have been together from the beginning. Well, that's why I really enjoyed when we had uh, Augie from Cartonon was talking about actually replacing flavors, yeah. missing flavors <laughs> with certain flavors from beers and food. And that's a fun concept. I never really thought about it that way. No, and then it makes complete sense. That's like we got to get uh, Gene in here again, not just to have Gene make us food. No, that um, too. But we definitely want to have Gene <laughs> make us food. Uh, but have another one of those discussions about beer and food and really do something cool, which we're, we have a ton of things we're going to be doing coming up in the new year, and, and we're working on behind the scenes and hustling and bustling and all that fun stuff. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of cool things. Even rounding out the year, like next week we're going to have on the show, we have uh, Chris Wilson, the head brewer at Weyerbacher Brewing Company, or how do you say it, George? W-E- <laughs> W.E. Urbacher? Yeah, W.E. Urbacher. Jeez, you know, I, I give George the, the you stick. You set him up. I dropped the ball. Yeah, and he was like, My soft what? toss. Fame is gone. What? Soft toss, and he wasn't even, not even oh, there. Oh, I didn't know. I'm in the room. <laughs> Yeah. Way to go, A-Rod. But uh, no, we're, we have Chris from, from Weyerbacher on and, you know, just discussing a lot of their great things. And they're another brewery that's really up and coming in our area in Pennsylvania that's really taken off in the past couple of years. A lot of people really take Weyerbacher for example, for, not for example, for, um, for granted for granted because yeah. it's so local and you get the things they get. But now they're starting to branch out. They've stuck very close to their core brands for a long yeah. time. Now they're starting to come out with a bit more off-the-cuff stuff, so it'll be fun. Show. Yeah, and then a lot of it really dials into Chris coming on as a head brewer there, so it'd be really he's the one you want to talk to as that brewery takes off. So we're going to have that, and then after that, we're getting into the holiday season, so we have a lot of cool things planned Christmas for that. Time. Christmas beer time. Yeah, if you, if you look in the studio right now, uh, which you can't, but uh, if you could, with uh, Christmas in here, we have a train set going around the I middle of the table. I just don't know how to turn it on. Yeah, we, we've been figuring on that one out, but oh, is there a button, George? Uh-oh. This could go south real Let's fast see what in the studio. <laughs> But uh, there are riveting radio. There are Christmas lights yeah, galore, and and you know, we're just getting ourselves all set up for everything. But no, there's just so much to do. And as you get into Christmas too, I mean, this is the time of year when beer people are trying to find something. Well, people are trying to find something for their beer lover. 
which is always a, a tough thing to do. Do you see a lot of people coming and getting gift cards now, Billy, backyard? Gift cards usually go good. Uh, uh, you know what a lot of people come down for? They get the, the magnums, the, the large. Is it going? I don't know. We have something it's, going on this. There's some movement on the, the train. This, <laughs> this might be terrible. But yeah, they, 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 yeah, they, they come get, down and get like big mag, yeah. like the big magnums, the Sammy Claus, uh, you know, some of the stone arrogant bastards <laughs> that are out there. So no, those are always goings to give too. When you see those those big three liter ones, they have those around just yeah. just for the sheer volume of it. If you don't ever open it, they're just fun to have as a display case. And, and a lot of times, like uh, you know. People who may not know, they'll, they'll look for like a cool looking bottle yeah. or some, you know, like a, you know, big bomber bottle or, yeah, well, he likes Rogue and I'll get him, oh, I'll try that uh, Shakespeare stout. And, you know. Well, even the huge bottles like the three liter ones or whatever, us, uh, people like us, you know, are involved with beer a lot. It's hard to get through one of those with a group of people. <laughs> yeah. So when you get around Christmas time, you're in parties, you're hanging out with a bunch of people. It's, they, yeah. they work perfect. So. Yeah, and, and Anchor has really hit that one in with the Christmas one. Really, they really yeah. sat in a magnum. And that's, you pop that open on New Year's Eve with a bunch of friends. It's a good time. That's a low ABV one, too, so you could actually function. Yeah. Some of the ones you get in the bombers, you're like, hey, this is yeah. the worst. Yeah, idea. I saw, like, was it a couple weeks ago, I saw a three-liter Sammy Claus. Like, oh, God. come on, wow. man. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. just, you're, you're, <laughs> you're setting yourself up for the worst <laughs> holiday experience of your life. Life. Or the best. Uh, it'll be Either the best you for about, about an hour and a half. We had the best <laughs> holiday ever. And then after that, it's just the worst experience you've ever had. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. We have, like I said, we have Chris on from Wirebockers. So we'll be talking about a great Pennsylvania brewery. So we'll be diving deep into that one and have some really cool things. And for Christmas, I'm setting up a nice Christmas giveaway. We have a lot of stuff. We're actually, for that show, too, we're talking with Northern Brewer again about some cool gifts. So we'll be getting into that and have another nice gift from Northern Brewer for all your home brewers or home brewer friends. We'll be back next week here on the Beer Geeks. Cheers, everybody. Yeah.